right, Tom, how's it going? Yeah, pretty good. Thank you. How about you? Yeah, all right. I, look, all the better, honestly, for not having to watch United lose. So Yeah, that is a dream, to be honest. It we shouldn't just be like this first this season. I know. I didn't watch the England international football game. I, well, I saw about five minutes of it in which period Luke Shaw scored. So, because a banger as well. <laughs> so, yeah. which, which he likes to do for England, apparently. And then he comes out with some lovely comments about actually enjoying his football when playing for England and enjoying his time there. Everyone seems to be behind the team and in a happy place and stuff. What Very could he be talking about? <laughs> mm, no idea. No idea. Well, since we got into it, we might as well talk about that. So, yeah, it, it's interesting. He's one of the more frank players, I think. I never never get the impression with sure that he's got some kind of agenda. He's just kind of saying it as it is. Yeah, I... I'm not sure. It's hard. It's hard to kind of work out when you're not in the dressing room and stuff. It's like, and as a manager, I don't know how much you'd like having a player like that. A little bit that, like De Gea. De Gea kind of comes out and just says it how it is. And in some respects, it's good. And, and I know a lot of people say, "Oh, it's great to hear players actually talk what they mean and and actually show their full personality." And that is definitely the case. Like, we've got enough PR trained footballers around these days like someone like harry kane where he literally just says the most boring thing potentially possible whereas it is nice seeing Shaw come out and say that it's just i guess sometimes you kind of want him to bite his tongue a little bit because i don't think it is uber helpful when he does say stuff a lot of the time but the thing is it's hard to criticize him also because usually he's so correct and i think with this what he said here it is maybe passive aggressive sideswiper United's culture at the moment and I've seen a lot of people kind of criticize him for his comments but he's not wrong um yeah. and it is United is a whole kind of a horrible place to be at the moment and 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 imagine when you do go away to England like it was the complete opposite when we were actually good our players hated not hated to go to England but they found it very difficult Skulls obviously being a prime example but people like Gary Neville and and players like that have talked about in the past of being England wasn't a nice place to be around yes whereas now yes. It's really quite a sad state of affairs when it's the complete opposite. Well, that's true. And there used to be real cliques in the England dressing room, mm. Liverpool, United, Arsenal, the rivalries, basically. And that doesn't appear to be the case with Southgate's England. He's obviously revitalised uh, the England side, but he plays this really dull, negative football. So I don't particularly enjoy watching England, although it seems no. as a group, and that may just be me, it seems as a group he's really created a collective there, Southgate. Yeah, and yeah. so I, I guess we could read too much into these comments, but it, it does, it does. There's a lot of uh, undercurrent to, to what he said here. Yeah, I feel like Southgate's very Ollie in many ways, like great aggress- dressing room management and atmosphere management, but then tactically very quite weak. But at international football level, that's kind of fine because most managers are like that. And so when you come against, against up against Mantini in the final, that's when you kind of get out of your depth a bit a little bit. Yeah, well, there won't be too many tears in England for Italy getting knocked out of the World <laughs> Cup. Will there to a, a 94th minute North Macedonian goal? Unbelievable. Yeah, well, just have to say, if United hire Mancini because he's available, I'm invading Old Trafford. Fuck that. No fucking way. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see him wearing yeah one of them red and white squads like he always used to at City as well. Uh, bringing Balotelli. He was talking about bringing Balotelli back to the Italy squad. I can't even 
where is Balotelli playing? He was playing at Nice for a while. He's he's not still. I think there, he's in Turkey he? now. He's in Turkey. Mm. Strange career. Yeah. yeah, not one of the big clubs either. No, right. <laughs> anyway, so that's short. And then Pogba said something similar. I mean, Paul, but the pattern's pretty common, isn't it? Pogba goes away mm. and does an interview with French <laughs> TV in some kind of depth, and then the quotes are sort of cherry picked for the worst headlines possible back in England. But he said a few interesting things. He said he needed he needed a break from United to regain his confidence, and he he talked about his. It's in a previous interview, I think, from today's. He talked about his relationship with Mourinho and having. A lot of times where he felt depressed about his time at Manchester United, which I thought was kind of brave, given the reaction often to that kind of um, talk. Mm. What else did he say? Yeah, well, the kind of the what I picked up on was that almost like gaslighting. It kind of sounded from Mourinho. Like I think Pogba kind of intimated that he was being blamed for things and he didn't know the reason for it, and his happiness was pulled completely from within him by well I think it, it said it started under Mourinho which means I guess it carried on afterwards unless he right. was just saying it started under Mourinho and that's why he was just trying to be trying to be a little bit diplomatic and not put pin all the blame on Mourinho but why would you do that he's a fair target normally isn't he well yeah that's very true you can have a lot of sympathy for for Pogba's plight at United you can also I know people do criticize him all the time and you can quite fairly criticize him for not performing and stuff but you kind of see his last five years playing in a midfield which has never had anyone half decent beside him like he gets for France and like I say again you can criticize him for his performances at times but like he's a player who plays best when he's happy and right. he just has rarely looked happy at United. And, and when he does look happy, it's usually in such short bursts. And when you're playing for Mourinho, he doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be fully concentrated, fully angry, as he said. I'm not yes. going to say the word, but there's the, the, the what he said at Tottenham, which went famously viral on Twitter, we want you to be beat. Um that's not kind of how Pogba wants to play football. He wants to play no, that's with right. a smile on his face, like almost like Ronaldinho. And that United has not had the chance to be able to do that. And it's just not been a good fit for him. Like, we can criticise him, like I say, quite fairly for not performing week in, week out and not taking more responsibility for the team and not being like an Eric Cantona for us or something like that, which, considering his ability, I think he's one of, technically one of the best players footballers in the world you can maybe you should maybe expect to do more but like for whatever reason it's not happened and yeah and Mourinho is definitely not a help not been a help in that either no right so that's that's those two France probably came off the 89th minute of France's game the other day and France got it in the 90th minute although apparently had a good game (laughs) (laughs) it's just classic Pogba to be brilliant for France and his relationship with that team and, and with the coach Deschamps there, who doesn't really particularly play attractive style football, is much different than he's had at United under, what, three coaches yeah. plus Carrick. So, uh, so, yep, anyway, we'll see where he ends up. I mean, it, it seems 
it'd be freakish if he ended up signing a new deal at United. And that'll only happen, I imagine, if he just decides to take the cash. And But he's going to get a good wage packet wherever he goes. It's weird, isn't it? Because even like this week in those comments, he said he didn't deny that he would be, he didn't say there's no chance categorically that I'm going to be at United next season, which is weird. Like, why wouldn't you just come out and say it? But it's, yeah, it's so disheartening, like this whole scenario, because when he joined, I thought he was going to be like a franchise player who's going to revitalize United. And yep. because he had that much ability, it's just been so sad. It has. Uh, what else happened in the internationals of note? Uh, we were just talking beforehand. You said uh, Facundo Palestri started for Uruguay again. And he's become sort of an important player for them, hasn't he? Yeah, and that was a massive game. It made, it, it was a, a win that, that qualified him for the, for the World yeah. Cup. Cavani came on and he was actually yeah playing football, which is, he always does for Uruguay. But he's miraculously fit. It's the fresh air. And the uh, horseback riding he likes to do that uh, helps him get in the spirit. Yeah. It's, look, it's the standard of the teams may not be as high in South America overall as they are elsewhere in the world, but that is a bloody tough competition. They have to play how many games? It's like 18 games or something. And some of them are. Copper America last summer as well. And the Copper America last summer. Some of them are altitude. I don't know about you, but the first time I tried to go for a run in Mexico City, I, I, I thought I was going <laughs> to die. And that's only at 8,000 feet. You go to La Paz in Bolivia, it's even worse. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> that is, it's no joke playing at altitude, and a lot of those games are played at altitude. So, yeah, re- really tough competition. And so what have we got? Brazil, Argentina, Colombia, Venezuela. and Europe. And Venezuela. Oh, sorry, who's gone for it? No, 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 who's sorry. Gone through? I can't remember. Yes, it's four, I think, isn't it? I think Ecuador went through. Ecuador, as, Ecuador. Yeah, which is quite an interesting one. Yeah. Without the Valencias. Without the Valencias, yeah. Either Enna or Antonio. Antonio, mm. whose Instagram and Twitter accounts are great, by the way, because it, it, it often involves him like doing push-ups with a bunch of school kids in some rural village or something. I'm like, what are you doing? He's just a player or a person I can just imagine, imagine never not being fit. He's, I yeah. can just imagine he's just always in the gym and just always working on himself. A bit like Zay Roberto. Have you seen him? I haven't know. Is he ripped? If, he's 47 and he's literally, yeah, just, he looks like a bodybuilder. He's absolutely nice. tonked, ridiculous. It's interesting, isn't it? Not to body shame, but there are some footballers who just, uh, you knew they were going to let themselves go uh, as soon as yeah. they stopped playing. Yeah. Wazza, not just thinking about you, but you're one. Definitely. <laughs> Literally everyone who's thinking that was the first name that came to mind. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> because we're recording on Sunday, we haven't seen the finals of the Euro uh, area ones, but I saw some of Sweden and it is Sweden beat like in the last minute. Totally forgotten um, now. I, I can't remember. I was going to say Poland. That's not right. Czech, Czech Republic. Czech Republic. There we go. Yes. So Anthony Alanga came on and didn't have any part of the goal, but they, they scored super late on. And so they're through. Scotland Ukraine was postponed, I think, for mm-hmm. understandable reasons. Gareth Bale came out of retirement to score a couple of goals for Wales. He so is ridiculous. I saw someone on Twitter say that he's the first footballer of ever who has ever retired from club football to concentrate on his <laughs> international career. Yeah. Uh, which is cruel but true. He's like one of them there was a player in the African Cup of Nations 
I think there's maybe probably a few to be fair, but there was one for someone like Sierra Leone and he was a mate. He was like their captain and he hadn't played a game for like four months. He wasn't at a club. He's like that. I can just imagine if like Real Madrid let him go or just, I can imagine actually him retiring in the summer and then still playing for Wales at the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't, it wouldn't even be that unrealistic. It'd be interesting with Bale because he's obviously got a healthy ego on him and he's been at Madrid for these past nine years. He, he expects to be playing a high standard of football, but he wasn't very good when he came to Tottenham for last season. And he's barely no. played for Real Madrid this season or the season before that. So you do wonder what his next step is. And China is not a route. The MLS, they will pay big for special players, the mm. designated player, I think they are. So who knows? MLS no. would probably be a good fit, to be, to be fair for him. But like you say, he has got a massive ego and you can't imagine him stepping down that far. I can't imagine him doing like Christian Eriksen and playing for someone like Brentford in the lower Premier League. I can I imagine, yeah, to be a big star at MLS franchise like Miami or something for him be a good fit. Yeah, playing under Phil Neville, who's still there. Unbelievably still there. Like that, that is, just that is the biggest results. joke of... Yeah. That is the biggest joke of the league that he can just walk into a job like that. I love David Beckham, but he's made himself and the league look terrible with that appointment. It's an interesting ownership group at Inter Miami, and they're also under like financial restrictions for cheating mm. by going over their salary cap. But uh, it's got it's yeah, it's a mixed bag of local business people. It's Marcello Clore, who's uh, big at was big at SoftBank, and um, also the. Uh, Sovereign Wealth Fund of Saudi Arabia. Who get about a bit, don't they, those lads? Uh, <laughs> Beckham's in bed with all them, not any oh, I mean, World Cup. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, is this dodgy money Dave's after it, so. Dodgy Dave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he still looks good, though, doesn't he? Mm, and that's all that matters, really. Talking of rip footballers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway, uh, so Wales are through... Uh, they will play the winner of that Scotland-Ukraine tie whenever that's played. They're talking about mm. June, but yeah, it's, kind of, it's hard to imagine that actually happening. Some of the players there are actually on the front lines. Yeah, I, I wonder with that, because Alexander Usyk came out the other day and said he's going to fight against Joshua, and you think maybe they'll, I don't know, maybe the government will do it, try and um, put forward these sporting events to maybe raise morale in the country right. or something like I don't know. That's why I was trying to think with the Alexander Rusik thing, the amount of morale that will, well, kind of boost in the country. If he sure, goes against yeah. Anthony Joshua, like that's a, again, kind of a yeah. victory. For, yeah, again, it's kind of a victory for Ukraine and it's kind of a thing to maybe cheer them up a little bit while this horrendous thing is happening. So maybe they can maybe think about, yeah, we'll play this game against Scotland to try and raise a bit of morale. I mean, it's all relative, isn't it? It's not going to make anything that better, but like it can raise spirits a little bit for a bit yeah tip on uh tip on following any of the news don't follow it on social media just this just the amount of grim stuff or maybe we all need to so we understand just how bad this is i do think some of the coverage of the war is kind of punditry i mean it really mm. sounds like football punditry some of it but yeah on uh it is the most covered war ever because citizens are covering it with mobile phones and it's just yeah so grim i talked about it with dan for a, a couple of weeks the, the consequences for sport we're thinking seriously aren't we about what money and sport 
means. I don't know whether they'll actually have an impact on how the Premier League works or not, but at least that conversation has started. There are consequences yeah. for taking dirty money. I know. So, yeah, I like Chelsea. Chelsea will, looks like they're going to get bought. They're, it's highly likely they're going to get bought by a, a US-led consortium by the looks of it. And those are the leading four bidders, I think, all have some US representatives in there, don't they? And so they're going to get a very different ownership group, which are just your standard you know, evil billionaires, <laughs> not your state-run <laughs> evil billionaires. <laughs> yeah. Every cloud. Every cloud. All right. So... The... Nice pivot uh, to talking about ownership at Manchester United, who've got two big projects on apparently at the moment. So we hear from this break. Uh, one is they're looking at the stadium and the other is the manager search, which seems to have upticked a lot. And someone in the United office, back office somewhere, is leaking like a sieve because like every single move is reported <laughs> in the papers, <clears throat> which is funny. Uh, what do you want to talk about, manager or stadiums? Let's go with the manager, I think. All right. All I can think about is doom at the moment with United. So I just think every time we kind of get linked to anyone, I just don't see a way out of this mess. I yeah. just, I look at Ten Hag and I look at kind of his record, obviously this season with Ajax is super impressive, but then his background before that, like, is it, is, I, in my head, I have that question, is Ajax just a perfect fit for him and, and will he be able to do it elsewhere? I look at kind of Pochettino and there's loads of questions that come with him and stuff. But then you just look a lot deeper than that. And you think, can any manager really turn this around? And I just don't. I, I think there's so much that needs to change. Like this, it's the structural changes, it's the players, it's the manager. Like, And if you just change one thing, like the manager, managers obviously have a huge impact on a football club. We all know that. But it's not really going to propel us to, to challenge with City and Liverpool. It, it's not, I say it's not really, it's not going to. So I, right. I, I find just the excitability of, of some of our fan base regarding Ten Hag or Pochettino, whoever side you're on, I just can't, I can't buy into that excitedness because yeah. I just feel that whoever we get in is kind of destined for doom to be like really, really downbeat about this. But I, I just feel like it is. And like, I feel like we can get really excited when Ten Hag comes in. It seems like a really fresh and exciting appointment. He he could bring a new style of football to United. It could change loads of things. Or it could just go like every other appointment we've had. And I, and I don't think the appointments have been, we've had in the past have been very good, to be honest. I think a lot of, like the question marks over everyone, especially Ranier this season, Oli when he was there, Mourinho, of course, Van Hall, I even thought was very dated appointment. But and 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 yeah, we might hire Pochettino and Ten Hag, which does look forward thinking and twenty first century well in twenty twenty two. But there's so so many bigger th problems in my opinion. I, I don't know whether the legs to the stall here are all equally weighted, but club structure and i wrap into that the ability to actually make the right kind of purchases in the transfer mm -hmm. market because it's so important in terms of squad building and getting the right personalities into the squad as well as the yeah. right balance of skills so there's club structure money coaching team 
Mm. Obviously, the head coach being the most important one there. So, and again, I don't know they're all equally weighted, but you have to pretty much get them all right in order to progress as a club. United aren't going to get the best coach out there because the best coach out there is Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp or some mix of them. So United should be getting the next best coach out there. And I don't know if Pochettino and Ten Hag are the next best coaches, but given where the club is at the moment, unlikely to be in the Champions League next season, pretty much a history of failure for the last nine years now. That sounds good, doesn't it? Like likelihood is whatever coach United get is going to be flawed. So, you know, the youngster, Eric Ten Hag, who's actually older than Mauricio Pochettino, is 52 now. Yeah. I know, you don't, I, I always, you think about him, you're like, oh yeah, fresh young Eric Ten Hag, yeah. but it's, it, he's doing well with Ajax, so a couple of points ahead in the Eredivisie, it's going to be a really tight race there. He's got an, you know, he's produced a nice Ajax side in Champions League for the last couple of years, but they did get knocked out against Benfica. So that's a big black mark. He's not a personality. I think everyone who talks about him, I don't know him really because I don't follow Dutch football that closely, but he's not that charismatic is one of the things. And I do wonder whether that's, uh -uh. if he's not that, can he really rally this group of players, those that are left after the summer? So yeah, like, yeah, as I said, I think anyone's going to be flawed. And then Pochettino, I mean, he's, he's definitely flawed, isn't he? But I do wonder whether there are, questions about you know what happened at Tottenham after he built a great side was that uh, Daniel Levy refused to strengthen when he said the squad needed strengthening so it went south from there he knew that some of the players were a bit over the hill or needed needed a change and it showed in the squad so I kind of have sympathy for him there and then Paris Saint-Germain I have no idea like Thomas Tuchel failed at Paris Saint-Germain as well in terms of what they expect. He left a mess in uh, the middle of last season, got to Champions League final, lost. So is, is Pochettino doing a bad job there? Don't know. They're 12 points ahead in league and maybe that's the minimum expected. Yeah, it's a super difficult job and especially for him, who's a, a systems coach essentially. Like, and, and it's just when you have that front three who don't track back and like Neymar's by far the, the most hardest the hardest working out of that front three and Messi basically just stands about these days it, it's almost impossible to actually win a, a game against a proper club obviously they're all amazing in their own right but to fit into a system that just doesn't work that, yeah that's the thing with Pochettino I feel like United we almost needed like an all-consuming manager like a like a Diego Simeone really who's going to shape the whole club in his style because of the structural problems, you, we almost need a manager who's just going to take it upon themselves and just create a, a club, essentially. Like Diego Simeone's kind of gone into Atletico Madrid, who have been languishing in the lower reaches of La Liga and even got relegated not that long before he went there. They were in the second division. And just basically transformed them into something else under, under his like personality, like Fergie did essentially. Fergie right. completely came in and transformed United into his way, and I guess Ralph Rangnick did that at RB Leipzig. Completely transformed the whole club, but doing it at somewhere like United, as bureaucratic and as political as Man United is, it's right. next to impossible. So I almost think we're like with that, which I think is what we need. It's actually impossible. So we kind of, I would say, I want a utopia.
And, but then I also think about a utopia being just united all synced up and working like a proper football club should, which f feels like a utopia yet shouldn't. The other manager who seems to be mentioned a lot from the leaky sieve that United are talking about is Yulin Lopetegui at uh, Sevilla, who, who are having a decent season. I mean, they're second in La Liga. They're quite a, you know, what, nine points behind Real Madrid. Some of that's because they've drawn four of their last five. So the wheels came off a little bit. They were they were really challenging and looked like that this was the the year that they had a chance. But they're a good Sevilla side. I mean, not good enough to beat David Moyes' West Ham. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good manager. We could we could appoint. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> maybe he's ready for the big time now. <laughs> oh dear, please don't, please God. <laughs> he's a well-respected manager. Obviously, there was that mess at Real Madrid where he joined Real Madrid in the middle of a tournament, <laughs> then got booted out by the Spanish Federation, and then got booted out of Real Madrid very shortly mm. afterwards. And so you do wonder whether he's a man who succeeds at a slightly smaller standard of club. Yeah, that's it. Like you bring him in on the proviso that, yeah, he's done well at Sevilla. He was wanted by a massive club like Real Madrid, but Real Madrid don't always get their appointments correct. So that's not the best judge. He obviously was at Spain, never knew how well he did because he left before a major tournament. It's just, it's just such an unknown. And I feel like almost all of these, like Ten Hag's are very much an unknown. In my opinion, Lopetegui's an, an unknown. Pochettino's less of an unknown, I think, because of do I don't want to say he knows the Premier League like, <laughs> Sam, like Richard Keyes would. But I feel, like, I feel like he is more tried and tested. And especially with maybe a group who are a little, maybe our top... Uh, that Tottenham team were a little bit similar to how United are now, maybe not. I, f I feel like he is more tried and tested with that type of football club, whereas the other two are... Well, Ten Hag, for example, he's only managed outside of Holland with Bayern's second team. Yeah. Like, he was at go-ahead go Eagles, I think, before yeah. Ajax. Like, I mean... Great name. He, and, and you tricked. <laughs> he had a couple of spells oh, at go-ahead Eagles and then Bayern Munich second team and then... Um, Utrecht before Ajax, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, no, and whoever gets the job is going to be flawed. No yeah. doubt about that. Yeah, there's no manager out there, especially available, who isn't flawed, which is our biggest problem. We could have maybe hired Conte, well, we sh I think we should have hired Conte back in October, but again, he was also flawed. He is also flawed. Maybe a little less so than these managers coming up. You could argue that either way, but... There is no flawless manager out there. You'd probably say, not in the Premier League, who is the closest to flawless? Probably Nagelsmann at Bayern. But again, he's quite untested at the moment. Like, he's not actually shown he is the as elite as his maybe reputation maybe says he is elite. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I'm hoping they're good because I don't want City to win or Liverpool to win the Champions League. So, well, that's <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they grabbed Nagelsmann if he was willing to walk out on Bayern Munich, but that seems unlikely this summer. Seems unlikely, very unlikely. <laughs> so uh, the the other thing that was happening uh, during the break was some talk about work on the stadium. So there's a bunch of things sort of presented, which is happen happens every now and again. I mean, doesn't it? United have talked about this for 
16 years of the Glazers ownership or however long it's been now and, and done absolutely nothing. It seems to me the three options being discussed are liquor paint, which is pretty much what they've done since the Glazers took over. I mean, it's, it's only mildly unfair. A redevelopment, including expansion of the South Stand, which has always been difficult because of the train line, mm-hmm. lack of space there, and then bulldoze Old Trafford and build a new stadium, which was even floated, which I can't mm-hmm. imagine would be very popular. Even if effectively three of the stands at Old Trafford have nothing to do with the previous stadium, they've been knocked down and rebuilt over time. There's just something about it's on that footprint and it's on that pitch where all of the United's history has happened. Yeah, that's what the newspapers had led with a lot, a lot, didn't they? That they are considering knocking it. The Glazers are considering knocking it down. I think Jamie Jackson reported in, in The Guardian that was the least likely thing to happen. And just from a monetary perspective, I can't imagine the Glazers going, oh, yeah, let's build a £1 billion stadium or whatever, like Tottenham. Well, it'd all be debt. So yeah, it, well. it, 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 the calculation is that stadium, does it feel more valuable than the cost of the debt, basically? And can you make a return? And Tottenham have shown they can make a return, but United aren't in this desperate position. So they have a, already have a big stadium that produces lots of income. And that's what you kind of think, like, what... Th- th- I feel like they're only doing this for vanity reasons because, like, United fans keep talking about how not backward Old Trafford is, but dated it is, how dated Old Trafford is, especially compared to these newer stadiums. Like Tottenham being a perfect example, Tottenham's ground is amazing. And United's just feels a little bit old these days and just run down. Like, I think since Glazers came in, there hasn't been an expansion to the stadium, has there? I think the quadrants came in after they took over, but they were already proposed before the Glazer took over. And especially, like I say, especially compared to even the Emirates, the Emirates is like really nice from the outside and it thinks that it's not the most amazing stadium it's pretty soulless when you get in there but it is on the outside it is pretty lovely and like well West Ham's is horrible I don't know if anyone's ever been there that's really yeah, soulless yeah. and the, con- the concourses are terrible but there's so much more that we could actually improve at Old Trafford and, and Tottenham's is the perfect example that Tottenham's amazing yeah the calculation is going to be how much did it cost to, to build that South Stand versus the incremental revenue? Because it's not much. So if you stick another 8,000 seats there, it, it's a few million per season extra revenue, but it's not transformative mm. um, compared to how much it might cost to engineer something that overhangs or goes right over the train line. And that's always been the barrier. It's, it just, the economics didn't seem to stack up, even if, yeah, United as a, a club deserves to to have a, a stadium that can be filled. It's not a very good team, but we'd still fill a stadium with an extra twenty or thirty thousand seats. Yeah, isn't there something like fifty thousand people still on the waiting list for the season tickets or something? Yeah, who knows? I, I don't believe any stuff that comes out of the club, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Look how popular we are. Yeah. I know it, that does. Yeah, feel really weird. It's like. I know so many people who have like not renewed their season tickets lately and yet there's still loads of people still waiting in the wings despite how bad we are. But we are a massive club, so. Yeah, true.
All right. Well, I guess that's all this week's news. We've got a game against Leicester. Unless there was anything else you wanted to talk about. Anything no, I think, going on? Uh, I think that's all good. Seems like that's it. Leicester. They're mid-table and they've had a disastrous season by recent Leicester standards. And I guess one of the reasons why old Brenton isn't being discussed as a potential United manager is that their form has gone a bit south. But they got a win last time out against Brentford. I thought they were decent in that game as well. So maybe they're turning it around. Yeah, they blow very hot and cold, don't they? They've got a lot of players who, like Tielemans, for example, who've just not been consistent this season. Like Tielemans looked like he would be a perfect fit for United centre midfield last season, but this, this season's just, he's gone really off the ball. James Madison's the same. Even Vardy's not as, I mean, Vardy is obviously getting quite old, so it's not expected for him to just slow down a little bit. But every kind of cog that was that's functioning so well for the majority of last season, obviously they had a capitulation towards the end of the season, apart from the FA Cup final, where they missed out on Champions League, because they, they only missed out on Champions League on that final day, losing to Tottenham, didn't they? Yep. Everything's, yeah, all the cogs have just kind of broken down. And... Yeah, I thought even someone like Paxton Dacca would be awesome for them. And he, he's had splits and starts, and it's just been super inconsistent all season. So, yeah, but I, I don't think having injuries helped. The the squad's yeah. obviously thin, isn't it? Wesley Fofana got out that horrendous yeah. injury in the preseason, didn't he? Yeah, against Villarreal. Awful tackle as well. Yeah. <laughs> preseason friendly. game. Yeah. yeah. And he, he did look a really high quality player, and, and mm. um, Son Chu's not been very good this season, so they've they've leaked quite a few goals it, it, they're one of the few clubs in the top half of the table that have conceded more goals than United because most haven't in fact none have <laughs> no goal no teams in the top half of the table apart from Leicester have conceded more goals than United so maybe that tells you something about the two teams at the moment yeah it, yeah, it might make for a barnstormer of a game then I guess it was interesting how few United players actually went out on uh, to international duty. So they had five days off, including Ragnick, who was at the cricket, weirdly. Yeah, Gary <laughs> Neville was happy about all those players. Uh... Oh, I just don't buy any of that old school nonsense. I mean, Gary's was of the generation that just stopped drinking, right? Before that, they were all boozers out on the lash before the game. I mean, Roy Keane was doing it during Gary Neville's time. So come on. I don't remember Neville calling it out at that, at that time. And then so if... And I don't know if you saw in the replies as well, like, I think someone questioned him on it. And he said, yeah, but uh, we were doing it, but we were just being quiet about it. I was like, well, you could be quiet about it back then because there wasn't social media and people weren't taking your photos everywhere you went. Like, and it's just a different type. If you were still doing it, surely that doesn't make it any better. No, it doesn't. It's a vanity thing. Yeah, exactly. That's why the comments are nonsense. Yeah, anyway, look, I, I didn't care Ragnick going to the cricket. I, I was a bit surprised. I did check up how good the German cricket team is, and they're ranked <laughs> in like 37th in men's T20, so not very good. Maybe you could re revolutionise that instead of United. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, full, full root and branch review of German cricket is needed, I think. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I didn't care about that. But then they've had, they've had quite a lot on the training ground. So, you know, we mentioned... Cavani's been away, Ronaldo and Bruno have been away in Portugal, sure with England, but Sancho was given a break, which is a real surprise because he was in, I mean, Gareth Southgate obviously just doesn't like Jaden Sancho because he didn't mm. use him in the Euros either, really. 
a like couple of couple of uh, appearances, wasn't it? A one sub mm. and one start. Rashford didn't go away, which is no surprise given his form, although he has been generally been a favourite. It's interesting he drops him now, but made him go to the Euros when he needed shoulder surgery and didn't use him, which has probably yeah. contributed a lot to Rashford's poor start this season. Didn't get a pre-season in. Anyway, so they, they didn't go away. Dave missed out on a call-up to the Spanish um, national team, which, again, you'd say if you took a long view, it's not a surprise, but he's probably in his best form for three years or something. Yeah, they took the Brentford keeper as well, didn't they? David Rea, yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah, this is his, he's 27 or something. It's his first season in sort of top-flight football anywhere. Very interesting. Interesting journey to the top. Yeah, played at Southport and <laughs> stuff like that. So, yeah, so they've had some time. You know, they'll have had about 10 days of training, most of the group. Maguire's still got a call up ahead of Tomori, though, which makes sense. Yeah, Tomori's had a really good season. Milan, the, the top, aren't they? The top of Serie A at the moment, yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yes, and he's, he's one of the few Brits who go abroad and really embrace it. He speaks fluent Italian. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah actually, so t- Tammy Abraham's doing pretty good over there as well, and he I don't know how much he's embraced the culture, but saving, saving Mourinho's loved. season, he is Abraham. Yeah, I know. Very interesting. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, maybe those ten days will make a break, make a difference in terms of United's preparation for this. I mean, I'm sure they haven't had all the players there, but they've had quite a lot. And, yeah. Yeah. All righty. Thoughts? We're going to win this one. It's Old Trafford, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I feel, I fancy us, to be fair. Like you say, Leicester are very hit and miss, and I feel like this is, oh, we've been good against the, the lesser teams under, well, I say we've been good. We've won the, the games mostly against the lesser teams under Ranić, and I think, I think we'll probably put in a bit of a performance, to be fair. But um, well, I say performance probably for forty-five minutes because that is the United way these days. We can't, we can't keep up for ninety. No, we can't. Yes, I'm not sure. I, I'd, I'd imagine it's a, given Leicester's challenges and openness that we will win this one because that's the kind of game we can win. Desperately need to. I mean, basically need to win all nine of them to have any chance of being in the Champions League. I struggle to imagine that. This group of players will be able to keep up the intensity for, yeah. I mean, Pogba talked about, I'm not singling him out at all, but one of the comments he said, to spring it full circle, was that, that he said the season's basically over. It's not over yet, but it's as good as over. We've got nothing to fight for. I'm paraphrasing there, but I think that might give an insight into what happens in the next nine games. But this one, I, I fancy us. Yeah, it's not really the attitude you want to hear when you still have got Champions League potential i'm sure the glazers are probably not happy about that either because literally this is all what they want to do just qualify for the champions league that's fine for them that's right and it's um missing out on champions league is going to start getting even more expensive and the difference Mm -hmm. between getting in and not so it's depending on where you've you get to in the champions league but worth about 50 million extra over the Euro, uh, Euro, Europa League, it, again, depends on how far you go in either competition, but let's just say that as a number. But with the Swiss model coming in and the extra funding that UEFA has secured for the new format, it's going to be worth even more. Uh, and um, United's 
infrequent ability to get, actually actually get into the Champions League and do anything with it is is going to start creating a gap to other teams. For example, if Arsenal do qualify for this season's Champions League ahead of United, they will. I'm not saying they'll surpass United's revenue, but it would be close. So that you know, that will tell you about United's waning power in the world. So anyway, yeah, super super important for the club. I also feel like it's getting tougher as well, and, and I know Arsenal and Tottenham, especially down like, over the last few years, have been very inconsistent from year to year. But you think if those if Conte is at Tottenham next season, which might not be the case, seeing as he looked like he wanted to try and sack himself a few weeks ago, but you, you'd imagine that a, a full preseason under Conte, Tottenham are going to be better next season. Arsenal seem to be improving massively under Arteta at the moment. Again, is that actually going to continue? I don't know. But it felt like this season was was a bit of a gimme to qualify in the top four. Chelsea, obviously, gonna you should they should be back up there if they've got this new ownership thing sorted out. I it's it could be potentially very tough next season. And and like I say, this season it should have been a lot easier. And especially after finishing second. But yeah, anyway. All righty, good talk to you, Tom. Yeah, sorry about the doom and gloom. It's just not very fun at the moment. Yeah, well, maybe United will give us something to cheer about at the weekend. Let's hope so, eh? So, um, be lovely. Thanks, everyone. We'll uh, we'll speak to you all next week.